0: Dr. Laura Morsetter and Dr. Lauren Stern are nephrology fellows. They also represent fellows on the ASN Training Program Director's Executive Committee. In this episode of the ASN Kidney News Podcast, ASN Executive Director Todd Ibrahim interviews Dr. Morsetter and Dr. Stern as they reflect on their experiences during medical school and residency, as well as discuss ways to recruit future fellows and make the educational experience more beneficial for everyone. They also share their perspectives on work hours and comment on the new proposal from the Accreditation Council of Graduate Medical Education to limit duty hours further.
1: As both of you know, but, but some of our audience may not know, to become a nephrologist after you complete medical school, you have to complete a residency either in internal medicine or in, in, in pediatrics and pursue either a pediatric Nephrology Fellowship and Internal Medicine Fellowship, and then pursue the the fellowship itself. I'm wondering if you could just describe for us some of the aspects of the Internal Medicine residency that that you most remember, the ones that were the the most memorable for you.
2: The thing about residency that I definitely took away with me the most is that I really love working with my co-residents. It's almost, uh, you know, it becomes a family because you're working for so many hours together and it's just great when you're an intern and you're on call and it's midnight and you have some work to do and meet up with uh, my other friends that were interns and we'd sit together and bounce ideas off each other and it was just a great place where I met some of my best friends and you know it was just a very supportive educational environment too. Um, I I would say, um, so I did my residency at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, and I would say definitely the highlight of our program is our morning report, where um, every day for an hour, our chairman of medicine, along with our program director, sits and uh, listens to each resident present each case, and each resident is also responsible for presenting an evidence-based article based on one of the patients that they've admitted, and You know, even though it makes for a pretty um, busy evening when you're on call, um, you definitely learn a lot from that. And I think that was definitely a highlight for me.
1: Dr. Morissette, what would you add in terms of your experience as a resident?
3: I think it's definitely one of the times in my life where I've worked the hardest. Um, it's It's another time in my life where I've been the most tired, and I think that putting those two things together makes you bond with the other people who are in your program and I would agree with the fact that's what you've ever tried to accomplish in my program. I went to a community residency program, and in my program, we had a lot of the responsibility fall upon us as residents because we didn't have fellows and attendings in the hospital at nighttime, And going through that traditional call schedule with every being on call every four days or so for those 30-hour shifts, it was, it was one of the toughest things that I've had to do but also one of the greatest learning experiences that I've had as well.
1: And how has your workday changed as you've moved into fellowship?
3: It's it's not as much of a struggle to to grasp the medicine, and you're focusing more on the problems that uh, specifically are associated with with nephrology.
1: So then the question becomes, since there's a limited amount of time, how do we expand those opportunities for medical students, both for nephrology but also for other fields, within the the limited time of medical school? Do, Do either of you have suggestions for ways to do that?
3: I think making their time worthwhile is really is really key. And making sure that when they are on service, you do give them the time that they need to, to teach them something and to show interest in them and to talk to them about, um, you know, things that they are interested in and parts of the, of the specialty that they're interested in and really give them a good idea as to what your life is like. And I think, you know, showing interest is by giving them a bit of your time is something that will really enhance their experience and make their time feel much more worthwhile, and it probably is. They learn a lot more, and then their interest will be peaked as well. So it sounds
1: like you're opting for more of a quality versus quantity experience.
2: I think that's very important. The med student has to choose to do an elective in nephrology, but you know, when you're with a student fellow or faculty, I think it's always important to at least take some time, even if you're walking through the hallway from patient to patient and just really, you know, telling them what your life is like and why you decided to opt for one specialty or the other and just sort of what brought you to where you are and just make sure that they're really part of the team and getting to see consults and presenting their patients. And um, I I think that's uh, important.
1: Do medical students discuss... Work hours or duty hours?
3: I haven't really had that experience. Um, Medical students that I've worked with, it hasn't really been an issue. And, you know, it could be just because we're on a subspecialty rotation where their their work hours are a bit more limited because I can kind of control them. And, you know, they go home at a certain time, and I, I make sure that that happens on these rotations. I don't know if that happens differently on, on rotations that are or subspecialties, such as surgery, which may be a bit more taxing to their time.
2: Yeah, the same for me. I don't. I don't really think it's been a big issue with students who've been rotating, especially because, like Laura said, we try to make an effort to get the students out so that they can, you know, read about the patients they've seen and have a pretty laid-back experience. Yeah. So,
1: at what moment during the training continuum? do work or duty hours become an issue where they start to be discussed among the, the trainees?
2: I find that it's really just when the administration brings it up. I think that once you go to medical school, the expectation is there that you know when you're in residency that it's going to be a pretty rigorous mm-hmm. experience and you're not going to get to attend every wedding that you want to go to and you're going to be working a lot of nights and weekends. And I, I think that that's the expectation there. And I'd say for the most part, people just do, you know, you pretty much are in survival mode and you just do what you have to do. And then when we get surveyed by the program director or the administration, that that's probably more of the time when it comes up. I almost think
3: that the time that the rules were implemented and really started to be enforced is the time that that became an issue. I think before that, people weren't maybe uh, thinking that they were allowed to think that, that they should have extra time off, and I think once that once that got implemented, I wonder how much uh, that has influenced the discussions that have occurred towards trying to uh, decrease the, the duration of, of work.
1: This issue gets discussed as a result of Either a group like the ACGME saying here are the rules, or the administration of an educational program—if that's the, the residency program director, the fellowship director, the chair—trying to to enforce those rules or to survey the residents or fellows about how often they're working. I guess that the question I'm trying to ask is—is is, is how much of a of a driver do you think this is in terms of people's career choice? or just the overall educational environment at this moment in time in medical education?
3: I, I think that I definitely would say that work hours have been an influential part of my choice. I think that no matter what, I would have ended up in internal medicine, but it definitely gave me some moments to think when I when I really did enjoy surgery, and yet, is that, is that a lifestyle that I wanted to choose? I kind of take the perspective that, you know, there's not a whole lot of things that you can't survive for a short amount of time. And I, I think residency in the whole scheme of life is a short amount of time. And and I, I don't know that that, has, that was an influential part of, of why I chose to go into search internal medicine because the training program would be survivable. I, I don't think that that was something that I ever, that ever crossed my mind. You know, the whole issue as to why these were implemented, though, would be patient safety and um, trying to to maintain that some level of public concern towards fatigue as being influential in their care. And that's, that's very understandable. And I can tell you that I probably am much better, you know, on hour one than I was at hour 30. And so you you have to take that into consideration as well. And I understand where the ACGME is coming from in trying to create, you know, a safe environment for patients. And so there is something to be said about that. But I'm not sure if um, the rules that are have been implemented really are something that has proven that, proven that to be true. I think that the recent New England Journal of Medicine article doesn't show us that there's been anything that has changed in the patient safety aspect of it. And so evaluating that might be something that we really need to do.
1: Mm-hmm. So let me, that was exactly the follow-up question I wanted to ask. So as you think about the, the training environment for for students, for residents, for fellows, and you consider patient safety. Beyond duty hours, what are some concrete things that training programs can do that would either address fatigue or improve patient safety or both?
2: I think yeah, that it's great that the ACGME is very concerned about burnout and patient safety and wanting residents to get home safely post-call, but the issue is that there really haven't been any plans in place to then provide hospitals or residency program with the extra funding that they need to hire more support staff. And if all around everybody's working less hours, you're really not going to achieve an adequate level of patient care as a program. I think one of the safety
3: issues that does come up is that we have a need to get out at a certain time, and that contributes to how your day goes and that makes people rush through doing what they need to do in a in an environment where they're already tired and i wonder Mm -hmm. if there's safety aspects with that that could be um, improved upon should that not be such a strict deal and um, i think being able to double check your interns and to make sure that what what's going on with the interns you know when they're in a tired situation and making sure they're making good choices is something that we're lacking the time to be able to do that because of the fact that we're supposed to get out of the hospital.
1: So at a minimum, you would spend three years as an internal medicine resident and then two years as a nephrology fellow, so you'd have a five-year maturation period. Does that seem like the right amount of time, or do you think it's too long or too short?
3: I honestly don't know if the time got extended, whether or not um, the drive towards subspecialization would be able to be there. I think that a lot of people in medicine put their lives on hold for a bit of time to be able to accomplish the things that we do to be, you know, graduating from internal medicine. It's a very accomplished person to be able to, you know, have a family and get married and do those kind of things in addition, and it puts a stress on all those people. So I think that limiting limiting our time to be able to train and maybe extending this for another year might be something that will actually cause us to decrease the amount of physicians that are created because of the fact that people do see the quality of life issue being something that over a prolonged
2: period of time may uh, influence their choices yeah and then a large portion of med school graduates also have a lot of debt that's accruing and you don't want to be in your late 30s by the time you're actually starting to pay off your debt and, and you know, consider buying a house or do any you know, of the normal things that someone else might be doing years ahead of you. I think it is reasonable to throw around the idea if we're going to cut back the work hours, should we extend residency? I just, I agree with Laura and that I don't know if you've made this to a a seven year thing instead of a five year program if that would really draw people to medicine anymore.
1: One proposal that was floated five or six years ago was to shorten the internal medicine residency by a year for people who were going to pursue subspecialties so you would do say two years and then go right into the nephrology fellowship so it would be and then you could decide if that should be two or three years. But the thought was for people who are going to subspecialize, they would do two years, and then people who are going to be general internists or, say, hospitalists, they would do a three-year residency. I'm wondering sort of how you'd react to some sort of proposal like that.
2: I think that the
3: best thing about subspecialists are those that have such a strong internal medicine background and the ones that are very good at general internal medicine is what makes them very good subspecialists. And so personally, I don't believe that that is a good idea. I think I needed definitely that amount of time, if not a little longer, to be able to accomplish that.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't. That a two year medicine residency is best idea, I mean at least from my program, our three year of residency was really when we got to take a lot of leadership roles um, you know when you're doing um, internal medicine consults throughout the hospital, you are the one who's running codes throughout the hospital, and I think that that is such a valuable experience and I really think that you need two years before that to have the confidence to go in and tell another service this is what i exactly what i think you should be doing or when they call you for a patient in extremis i think you really need years behind you to be able to walk into that room and deal with the situation in a very collected calm confident way and i think that was an invaluable year in training
1: so it sounds like you both are comfortable with the three-year residency and the two-year fellowship and if anything maybe a little more educational time, but it would be impossible to balance that against sort of the the personal sacrifice of training. Is that a fair summary?
3: I would say that's true, yeah.
1: So then the question becomes, within that five-year period, are there structural changes that we can make where we can address concerns about fatigue and patient safety and quality, but also develop a high-level learning environment? Um, and you've talked a little bit about some of the tasks that you have either as a resident, or particularly as a resident, but maybe as a fellow, that may not be educationally valuable. Are there other sort of structural changes that could be made that would make the time as valuable as possible?
2: For us here in in New York, it's a very, the hospital is very, very busy, and um, we have many dialysis units that send their patients to our emergency room. So our overnight calls tend to be very busy. So even though we're taking home call, you're almost always coming back in either to dialyze a patient or um, do the medical clearance for them to get a transplant. But it feels like there's a lot of time for us spent in the hospital overnight. I think that if, for us, if we wanted to improve patient care and also burnout, I thought maybe integrating a night float system into the fellowship would be beneficial as well because then you know that every consult that you get called on, someone would go and see the patient that night and so the patients would get immediate attention and it's by someone who had already slept all day long and was going to leave the hospital in the morning and, and hand off the consult to the regular consult team. So I thought maybe That might be something, but I I guess it all depends on the structure of your program. Trying
3: to focus to make your time the most useful and valuable is the goal that all program directors should have, and and I believe that the experiences that I've had, I've definitely been in touch with people who definitely have that mindset, which is is great for, for my experience. Trying to figure out how to make things the most valuable is a challenge, and, and I don't envy them for for having that responsibility. Particularly in my program, you know, I think that the way that we have it structured is basically that we are like the primary front-running or front-line nephrologist, and, and that is valuable because I get to take home call and I get to figure out when it is important for me to go in and when it's something that I can wait for the morning and how to handle things at night and giving an experience, where you get to practice being or doing what you will be doing when you're finished is the thing that we we should strive to achieve. How to make it more efficient for us to, to make it more beneficial, I don't know if that's something that you can do across the board, or if it's just sort of tracked for every individual program. I think that sharing those kind of ideas is something that can benefit us all if there's a way that in in some sort of forum that we can do that to help make all programs a little bit more uh, worthwhile for everyone.
1: Well, Dr. Morsetter, Dr. Stern, thank you for joining us for today's discussion. And also, thank you for representing fellows on the ASN Training Program Directors Executive Committee.
3: You're welcome. Thank you for having us. It was um, It's great that you put these out, and it's a, a great tool for us as uh, fellows to be able to continue to look into the issues that are really in the forefront of some of our um, specialty areas.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. It's um, wonderful that the ASN wanted to incorporate the fellow perspective into their mission, and I think that that it's wonderful that we get to be involved.
0: This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice.